Hey sports fans, and welcome to the Business Fixer podcast, where we believe that clarity is king and simplicity is queen. I am your host, Haroon Rashid. Today, we have a special, special guest. The one, the only, Mr. Carl Pulleen. If you don't know Carl, Carl is a very, very interesting guy. He's a YouTuber with, at the time of recording, over 83,000 YouTube subscribers. And he is the man when it comes to productivity tips. He's definitely uh, somebody that I've wanted to uh, have on the show for a long time, and we finally have it. In this episode, Carl is going to walk through some top productivity tips for business owners and executive level employees. You're going to get so much out of this episode, everything from how to use a calendar, how to get control of your time, how to manage email, how to not panic when something quote-unquote urgent comes across your desk. So listen, I'm just so excited for this episode, so we're going to get right into it. So without further ado, here's Carl. What's the biggest challenge that you find executives face when it comes to productivity? Well, okay, we've got we to kind of divide this up between the, the kind of the entrepreneur and the person working for the corporate entity, the business. Mm. Um, because if I start with the entrepreneur, the biggest problem they have, which is exactly the same problem that I had, and I'm sure you had it, was when you start the first, when you start your business, you are both the owner and the operator, you are doing everything. Mm. And there comes a point as your business grows, that you've got to start letting go of the operation side, because you don't have time for that. You're, you've got to own the business, you've got to, you know, you've got to be looking ahead, you've got to be anticipating potential problems um I, you know I, I mentioned my friend in scunthorpe he, he started a business on amazon for business uh afb i don't it's something like that i think it's called afb uh his whole business was basically amazon and then one night while he was out with his friends i think it was a friday night as well so there's a few beers going down i guess and uh, around about 11 p.m he gets an email from amazon saying we shut you down because one of your products uh doesn't comply with our regulations and it's like oh my god my business is just gone you know you've got to be as a business owner i mean he 48 hours later he'd fix the problem i mean now he's i mean he's he's blasting it now but you know he learned a very valuable lesson from that which was don't put all your eggs in one basket. <laughs> so obviously he's he's divert, di, divert, diverged now and he's got many supply lines now. So I mean, that would never be a problem today. But it's kind of the wake up call. If you're running, operating the business and you're owning the business, you never have time to think ahead and to anticipate those potential problems. So the entrepreneur needs to be and looking at Obviously, when you first start, you do have to do everything because we don't have the cash flow to pay for somebody. But as soon as you can, you need to be offloading a lot of that operation stuff. Start off with the admin and that sort of thing. You just don't have time to do it. And But then once you become like focusing in on the ownership side, then what is that core work? What's, what's the money work? You know, the work that's going to generate the income in the future. Um, as well as making sure it's coming in today, but that's usually the operation side. But as a business owner, you have to be anticipating, you have to be growing, and that takes time. It, it's not something you can do 
you know, five minutes here and five minutes there. It, it's a lot of thinking. And it's very uncomfortable when you have to do that switch as an entrepreneur. Now, a business executive working for a corporate entity, that's a different ballgame because you have a lot more support. But again, there's a little bit of the operations and the leadership coming in here. As an executive, your role is to lead. It's not to manage. That's, that's the manager's job. And I find a lot of the business executives that I've worked with in the past, the ones who are really struggling with productivity, they find it very difficult to let go of some of the things that really is more management and not leadership. So again, you kind of got to step back a little bit and you just got to analyze, okay, what am I actually employed to do? You know, what is my actual role? Now, the problem we often have, and this goes to anybody working in a company, is we have this human natural instinct is to say yes, because we like to be popular. Mm. We don't like to say no, and to say no is a lot harder. But if you want to be a successful business executive, you have to learn to say no. I, I don't mean that in a rude way. You learn to say no in a polite way. But it starts with knowing what that core work is. What is it that you're actually employed to do? What is your real responsibilities? Not the ones that you've assumed because you're, you have that fear of delegating. You have that, and it, it is a kind of arrogance, but it's, we, we all have it. We think we can do something better than everybody else. So we carry on doing it. But you know, a leader has to coach. They have to train people to be as good as themselves, if not better. I think Steve Jobs put it perfectly is that, you know, if you're an A-plus employee or executive, you employ A-plus staff. But there's a problem for most people is we tend to employ A-minus and B-plus staff. Mm. And, you know, we, we've got to be employing people who are better than us at doing certain things because then we can do our job, uh, which is to lead. So that's the biggest thing. It's the first thing I would always say is be very, very clear about what your responsibilities are because that's your core work and that's your priority. So it's priorities, which is ultimately what you need to work on. And what most people kind of allow themselves to get, well, I call it the, the, the productivity pyramid. It works in every single area. You start off with your long-term goals and goals. Your areas of focus are the important things in your life, family, finances, career, uh, your spirituality, your personal development, those kind of things. And then you've got your core work on top of that. That's the work you're employed to do. If you're a salesperson, that means you sell. When you are selling, you're doing your core work. When you're doing admin, you're not doing core work. <laughs> and I remember as a teacher, <laughs> when I was uh, a full-time teacher, you know, I, I got really frustrated because of the paperwork, which was related to admin. I'm thinking, no, I'm a teacher. I'm not an administrator. <laughs> and, you know, so the admin team hated me because I was, I just did that in five minutes. I focused on teaching because that was my core work. And then on top of that is everything else. So the most important are your goals then your areas of focus, your core work, and the least important is everything else. Problem, <laughs> everything else is noisy. Mm, absolutely yeah <laughs> and that's where we have to learn to say no and that's the difficult part but I it's a skill to, that's worth learning oh absolutely i think that was probably one of the hardest things that i had as an executive and even as a business owner as well um mm. i like the distinction of okay so we're talking to do so for the listeners 
you are probably going to fit into one of these two categories. You're either an entrepreneur or you are senior uh, in a company, an established company. So we are going to be talking about productivity tips uh, for both of these, and there'll be some overlap, I'm sure. Now, uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Carl, was that, you know, like the uh, the smaller one-man band entrepreneur who's, uh, you know, started off, they maybe been in business for a, a couple of years, two or three years, they often will say the same things to me. I've had this idea for a long time. Uh, and then, you know, years have passed, they haven't done anything with it. And they say they don't have time to do that. What's your response to that sort of statement? Well, if I'm coaching somebody, my usual first question is, is okay, if you don't have time, what are you spending your time doing? <laughs> you need to get to the nuts and bolts of that because I don't mean that I'm going to get them to do a time emotion study because that, that, that doesn't really tell you anything, to be honest. Um, but what I'm really curious about is where are they spending their time in the day? Because I also have, a, I mean, I, I do online courses and they need to be, three or four of them need to be updated every year. And I've always got ideas for the next one. Hmm. Now, I know that they will never happen until I put it on my calendar to do it. Hmm. It has to, the calendar is your most powerful productivity tool. Now, the worst thing any executive could do, by the way, is to delegate responsibility for their calendar to an assistant or to somebody else. Mm. Because when you start doing that, you lose control of your time. Mm. And that's something that you cannot afford to do. Now, it's okay to open up blocks and say, if you, you know, I'm, I'm available for meetings between these times. That's okay, because you're still in control of your time. But you don't want to be delegating all eight or nine hours or 10 hours of your day to somebody else by all means you know allocate three or four hours a day for meetings that's fine but you tell your assistant or you tell your staff or your team now i'm available on these days at this time for meetings so you can schedule me but you want to be keeping real tight control of the calendar and don't be afraid if you want to develop particularly that one-man band don't be afraid of blocking out two days or three days to work on a project hmm because it's the only way you'll get that project done. And even if you don't finish it in, I do for, I do two days. I'm three days. I get nervous. I think I'm not focusing on, on the business. So I, I, I have trouble with this one too. Two days. I am very comfortable with because nothing's going to blow up in two days, but what I can produce in two days when I'm totally focused on building a specific project is at least 75, 80% of that project. And there's only 20% left and 20% can be done here and there, but you've, you've built up such momentum. You're not going to stop. You're going to every spare moment you have, you're going to finish that project off. And if you do need an extra day, then just schedule another day next week or in two weeks time. But I'll, the key with this, by the way, I should say is don't schedule two days off next week. Look at your calendar and go two days, first week of November because it's so far out mentally you prepare yourself which is great and b you're not going to allow anybody to schedule appointments on those two days this is i really like this so i'll play devil's advocate or devil's avocado as we say in our house so <laughs> um so the the thought of uh, taking out a day even or uh, you know a few hours in a day for some entrepreneurs can be really like terrifying for them because they it feel is. like they're so overwhelmed. Like, what about this? What about that? I need to be on call 
for customers or complaints, blah, blah, blah. What would you say to those people who may be feeling a bit stressful or anxious about taking out a day or two? I, I had exactly the same fears, but the, the, the reality was I didn't get that many problems. I didn't get screaming customers. And actually, even on those days when I'm talking, I mean, I, as a business owner, I don't work nine till five. I work <laughs> 7.30 to midnight usually. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, AM to midnight, but I, you know, it's because it's constant thinking. But the funny thing is, is that every single day I schedule an hour in my calendar for communications because I get about 150 emails a day. They ha if I don't do it on one day, then the next day I've got 300. The next day after that, I've got 450. Then it's a whole day just to sort out email. Mm -hmm. So I will block out a day, one hour a day purely for communications. And that includes instant messages as well. And I should give the little, the, the little trick here. Never do your email first thing in the morning, not because it ruins your day, but if you reply to email first thing in the morning, you're in email ping pong and you're going to double up the number of emails you get in a day. Mm. You leave it till after three, better to be 4 p.m. is usually about the right time to respond to email because most people by then are going to think this can wait till tomorrow, which is good news for you <laughs> because quite often. But the other thing I've discovered is most of my clients who do contact me in the morning have solved the problem by the afternoon as well, which is great. And yeah. the beauty of the email is it's not an urgent medium anymore. We don't use email for anything urgent. And if somebody's doing that, you know, you've got a very good excuse. Just say, well, I don't check my email that often. If it's urgent, call me. Um, well, this is interesting now because what we're saying here or what I'm gathering from what you're saying is, so if someone's a bit stressed about uh, or anxious about taking out time uh, to work on a project, what you're actually saying is, you should you should actually look at how you're working generally and make adjustments for that. So someone who might be living in their email inbox, it's like, well, if you want to take two days out, you can't be in your email inbox. You need to check it once yep. a day. Um, mm. If you want to, um, you know, if you if you get many uh, WhatsApp messages or IMs and all the rest of it, don't do it on the fly or as it comes in. Schedule some time in your calendar. And it's control over the calendar. So are you saying that if people were to take some of these tips, then they should be more structured? Because it seems counterintuitive, doesn't it? It does. It does. But you've got to be, you've got to be in control of your time because if you're not, somebody else is going to take control of it and you don't want that because mm. time is the only thing you've got. Um, uh, you've got your skill and you've got your time and you've got to apply your skill in the best available, you know, the best way possible in the time that you have. Time is not negotiable, you know, it's fixed. So the only variable in that equation is what you do. It's an activity. So time is fixed and you've got activity. The only variable is activity. So the question I would always ask them is, how important is this project? Mm. And, you know, to me, like I, I have a, an Apple course that I, I'm guessing, because I haven't got anything official, but Apple will update their macOS software next week, which means the clock starts ticking on me getting the update out. I usually give myself 10 days. So today, this afternoon, I gave myself a four-hour block to work on the um, outline, because I need to be ready. Right. And if I don't, 
I mean, I could ignore that project, but that's like throwing 10,000 pounds away. Do, mm. do I want to do that? No, just because I really have to be in my email inbox. You know, my email inbox is not going to give me 10 grand. Mm. But my project is going to do that. I'm also up against a bit of a timeline because we've got Black Friday coming up in the third week of November. So that's now about five, five weeks away. So mm. I need to get this course out well before that, or else I'm gonna, it's gonna buffer up against that. So, you know, I haven't, I haven't got, the way I look at it is that 10 grand is more important than me, any email that I'm gonna get over the next five weeks. So I know where my priority is. <laughs> No, of course. I, I heard a great quote today. Uh, I don't know if it was Warren Buffett, but it said something along the lines of wealthy people invest in time, poor people invest in money or mm. something like that. It's something was, like that. Yeah. yeah I, I think which, I've heard something similar. Yeah. Mm. Really interesting that. So what I'm really picking up here then is the calendar. Now I don't use my calendar as effectively as I should do. Uh, I have a to-do manager. I use Todoist. Mm -hmm. Are you using the calendar as a sort of to-do task manager sort of thing? Can you just walk us through how you use a calendar? So the calendar for me is, uh, I, I got to be very careful because there, there is a concept called time blocking. Now, time blocking to some people means you block every minute of the day. That isn't the best way to use time blocking. So for me, as I mentioned before, I, I need an hour to, on average to deal with my communication every day. So... I block out four till five, actually it's five till six every day for my communications. It's on all on my calendar, it says communication time. That's all it says. Now, with that, I will go through my instant messages. I generally start with my email because that's what I'm aware of. But I also know that I probably got a few instant messages throughout the day and I need to reply to those. So I'll reply to those as well. And I always think of it as a result. If I can get everything done within 40 minutes, that's the result. Suddenly I've got 20 minutes free. What do I, what do, I do with that time? It's great. But there's another, the other ones I do is I, every week I write a blog post. Every week I produce two, sometimes three YouTube videos, two newsletters, and cool, uh, lots of stuff, lots of content. Now, the only way that content is vital to my marketing. Because if I didn't do that, I would, I would become a nobody in, in, in the world that I'm in. So I have to do, I, I understand the importance of that marketing. So I have to write every week. I have to do the podcast every week. I have to do the YouTube videos every week. It's non-negotiable. So it's non-negotiable. It has to be done. So it's on the calendar. Mondays are my writing days. Fridays, my YouTube recording days. Uh, so I get the podcast script written. I get my blog post written. I try to get my newsletters written on Monday, but I'm usually crossing over into Tuesday morning to do that. I have, a, I have 90 minutes on Tuesday morning for writing, so it's catch-up time if I need it. Um, but the rest of the day, like the afternoon, it's free. It's, it's clear. So I can deal with those emergencies. So, you know, I think Amazon sent me a, an email the other day saying I have to do my U.S. tax documents basically i just have to declare that i'm not a u.s citizen it's a 20 minute job you know the, the afternoon that's when i would pick that up and just get it done well well that really lends in nicely to another thing and i guess it is going to be um uh co connected to the calendar conversation which i were having how do you deal with quote-unquote urgent things that 
keep cropping up and ruining your daily plan? Well, the f- again, <laughs> what appears to be urgent often isn't. And see, I've, I've kind of trained myself and I do, get my, I do get my clients to do this as well. I kind of train them to stop reacting immediately to an urgent, well, I would say email, but if you get a phone call, you just have to deal with it. That, that, that's just, I mean, phone calls are generally the most urgent um, form of communication, uh, I suppose except for banging down your door, that might be more <laughs> urgent, but, but your phone is going to be, so if you're getting phone calls, you're going to just have to deal with them unless you're, I don't think I'd be confident enough to be able to just turn my phone off. Um, but, you know, particularly if I'm in the same time zone as my, my customers, I'm generally not in the same time zone. So I, I don't have the phone. So if it's a phone call, you're just going to have to roll with it and deal with it. But it doesn't mean that you have to, react immediately to whatever you're being asked to do you know a lot of what you essentially before i came to career i I worked in a law office i I trained as a lawyer uh, as a solicitor and i learned very quickly that when you work in a a a solicitor's office uh we were dealing with domestic property it's kind of boring life but i was dealing with domestic properties but on the day of completion to the client that's really, really, really urgent day. But I've got the experience. I've I probably closed hundreds of, of um, you know, house purchases. I know the process. I know everything. You know, I'd get calls at nine o'clock in the morning and say, the money's not in the bank. The money's not in the bank. And I'm thinking, no, it won't be. Not until one o'clock. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but they don't know that. Even though we did tell them, um, <laughs> yeah. they only listen to what they want to hear. <laughs> so my role really a lot of the time for those urgent phone calls was just to calm them down. But my experience told me that it wasn't a major problem. I mean, if the money hadn't got into the account by 4 PM, then it was a problem, but we had strategies for dealing with that. If we had to. Um, So your experience as a business executive, particularly, or as a business owner is it, it comes with experience, but you will learn strategies for dealing with the most common complaints and we all get i mean we all have common complaints uh very very similar complaints so you know we learn a strategy for dealing with them and we need to be the calm voice in the in that crisis totally worst thing you can do is 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 become stressed with it because there's always a solution there is. I mean, I remember even as an executive that um, they would, I, I remember reading this uh, book, I think it was the four disciplines of execution and they called it the whirlwind. And they said, the whirlwind's always going to be there. You know, when has there ever been a day that has never been there? And as soon as you come to terms with that, you feel a bit like, ah, relaxed. And mm-hmm. <laughs> when people would come up to me as an exec and say, oh, Haru, we've got something urgent. And I would say, is it? actually urgent and i'd use that word actually um and you know what i would say seven or eight times out of ten it wasn't urgent so the vast majority it wasn't urgent and um quite often if it (laughs) if it was something it was usually deadline related because they had not 
got their ass in gear and actually got the thing done. So I'm like, well, it's your problem really, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) Is my desk not full enough as it is? Um, So, I mean, um, I mean, adding to that, actually, I remember Mm. when I first, I, I moved all my online courses to my own online learning center. And I remember when I first, I used to get emails saying, uh, I can't log into my account. And I would be panicking in the early days because, oh my God, what's going wrong? Has my system gone down? And I'd go in and I'd realize, oh, these guys are logging into the wrong, they're logging in the wrong email. (laughs) Um, And so eventually I started to realize that as long as I don't panic, then the problem can be resolved within a couple of hours and the customer's always happy. Mm. Um, the only thing I was, the only thing I suppose it's like the IT experts is you get a little bit tired of people having the same problems all the time. <laughs> and you go, I, I think there's, I think it's called the IT crowd, which is a great show, which mm. was, have you turned it on and off? <laughs> and I was thinking, yeah, I'm getting very much into the same similar situation. So it's like I, my email isn't, uh, or my password is what I usually get. My password isn't working. And I usually check their email, go into my system and say, well, you don't have an account. And then I get an email about, oh, sorry, I was using the wrong email. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But as I mean, long as I'm mm, calm, the problem mm, is usually solved. I would agree with that. I mean, people trying to steal your time or derail your uh, your daily plan is, is a big thing. Because I, I, I used to always say to people that you need to protect your calendar with fire. You need to make sure that no one, no one apart from the CEO or maybe your personal family, like your wife, your kids or whatever, have the right to um, come in and change that thing. Everyone else, I mean, I would say to people, they would say, Haroon, I need to have a meeting with you. I'd say, okay, do you actually need a meeting with me? Think it through. Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. Right. Put 10 minutes in my diary and send me the agenda beforehand. Carl, do you know how many people used to put a meeting in my diary? Not that many. Not many. Not many. <laughs> because yeah. I would, I would, I'd see them in the hallway later on and go, "Hey, I'm still waiting for your invite." Oh, it's okay. I, I sorted it out. Brilliant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's human behavior management, really, isn't it? It is. And actually, one of the tips I give when I'm working with companies is, you know, with productivity, is it all starts actually as a as an executive. It all starts with the communication. Um, and a classic example, and I love this example, is if you've got a problem with a customer um, or you fo- an easier one is to say, if you're following up an order, you, you know, you're waiting for an order to come in. And you say, you say to your, your staff member, can you follow up this order? So they'll, they'll make a phone call or they'll send an email. A few hours later, you go back. Did you, did you uh, get in touch with the customer? Yeah, I followed them up. I'm just waiting for a reply. Well, now you've actually caused yourself a problem because that's not being very productive was the outcome for your staff member to make the call? Because as far as the staff member's concerned, they've done their job. Mm. They sent the email or they made the call. But if you, if you, what you really want is I want that order in. So that's the objective. So you tell the staff member, your, your team member, get that order in, you know, be very, I mean, that sounds a bit aggressive, but you know, you do it in a bit softer terms, mm. but that's the objective. But when you've got a team of people working for you have, who have a clear set of objectives, as, a, as an executive, you're going to have a lot easier life. Because hmm. you're not going to have staff saying, oh, I did call them. They say, okay, we need to have a conversation here. The objective <laughs> was not to make the phone call. The objective was to get a result. This is the result I want. But it comes back to communication. Communication, absolutely. Communication is key. 
what would you say to people in terms of productivity um in terms of people who say i don't like digital i'm uh, paper-based um you know uh, do you have any kind of recommendations on what kind of um uh, tech or non-tech people should be using well i my advice to all to everyone i work with actually and is even with my online courses is to say you work with whatever works best for you and I, I was, I love fountain pens and, and flashy notebooks. And yeah, for years, I, I would, pref- I still preferred to write everything down with my nice fountain pens. Uh, but I realized that that wasn't the most effective way for me to do my work. And eventually I did go digital completely, but it was uncomfortable. Um, but I made it work. But you don't have to do that. I mean, I love technology as well. So that was a bit of an advantage. Um, but I think you've really got to find a a system that works for you. You know, one of the most powerful productivity systems out there, and it's it's 100 years old is this concept, and yet it still works brilliantly today, is before you leave work today, you write down the six most important things that need doing tomorrow on a little post-it note and leave it on your desk. (laughs) So when you come into work in the next morning, your planning is done. Those are the things you start with. You start with the one at the top, which is the most important, and you work down the list. If you don't finish the list, whatever's left gets moved over onto the day, next day's list. That's 100% analog. And it's still, even today, is the best productivity system you could have because it's so it focuses you in on what you already have identified as important. Wow. You know, it's interesting. We had uh, we had Tom Solid on the show uh, mm. recently. In fact, we haven't aired that episode just yet, uh, but we recorded it recently. Yeah, awesome guy. I know you guys have uh, uh, yeah. uh, done some stuff together as well. Really yeah. good, really good guy. Um, and we were talking actually about how I said I'm on the ninth iteration of my system at the moment, and previous iterations of my my productivity system. It was a beast like it would take me more time to um to um uh, cultivate and take care of the system than actually get anything done right Mm. lists here there and everywhere and apps here there and everywhere and paper here oh gosh it was just it was a a nightmare actually but now i'm Mm. whittling it down to just a couple of inboxes here and there and that's it i do it but i like the idea about the post-it note Six things. I mean, if you were to, to be- do, by the way, if you're, yeah, well, six is the, uh, it's called the Ivy Lee method, and six was the number that he decided was the optimum number. Um, but you can do it in Todoist. I do it in Todoist now. I just use my flags. So mm-hmm. I have my flags, uh, which I will, the day, you know, before I finish the day, I look at what's on my list for tomorrow and I just flag the top. I, for me, it's about six to eight tasks that really must get done. The other tasks are not necessarily unimportant, but it wouldn't be the end of the world if I didn't do them tomorrow. Mm. So I'm looking, so I'm looking at, again, it goes back to what I was saying at the beginning. I'm, when I'm making those decisions about what am I going to be working on tomorrow, it always starts with, well, what's my core work here? You know, what, what is the, I, it, it sounds a bit, um, it sounds a very very capitalist, but what's my money? What's my money tasks here? Hey. But to me, it's it's more about like the marketing has to be done, as I, I mentioned before. It's it's non negotiable. 
I will take two weeks off at Christmas. The last two weeks of Christmas, I will stop writing content and preparing content. But for the rest of the year, I, I'm just, I will create content. Mm. It's non-negotiable. So that's always going to be on my list. It's always flagged. For a, a busy uh, entrepreneur, let's say, um, how do you think that they should plan their quarter, month, week, day? What are the kind of top tips you can give? I mean, you've got the uh, the post note thing there as a, as a practical thing. What are the other kind of things that they should do to get themselves set up for a week, let's say? Well, I would always, now this is something that I've, I've experimented with for years and years and years. I've tried Friday afternoons. I've, and it's basically doing what in the, David Allen wrote a book many years ago called Getting Things Done. And he introduced a concept called the weekly review. Hmm. Now, the problem I found with the weekly review was it took way too long. Um, you're reviewing a lot of stuff that doesn't need reviewing. And, uh, but then you don't know what you should and shouldn't review. So it, you just review everything. And so a few years ago, I came up with a different concept, which I now call the weekly planning session, but it just better helps me. And essentially what I think, what am I, what, what are my objectives for next week? Or you can say, what are my results for next week? What results do I want next week? Now, when you start with that question, you can either go through your system. Uh, if, you, if you're using a digital system, you can go through your projects, you can go through your to-do list and you can look and think, right, I really do, must do this next week. I must do this next week. Um, but you're gonna come up with quite a serious number when you do this the first time. Um, and you will probably fail at getting them all done. You will naturally prioritize and by Friday, you're gonna be stressed out, but you've got to stick with it because you start finding that optimum number of tasks that you can do each week. I know if I include my recurring things that I have to do each week, I mentioned the content that I create, uh, I can do about 35 meaningful tasks a week. But when my list, when I do that weekly planning session, if there's more than 35 on there, I already know I'm not gonna do them. That's interesting. So can I, if I can just come in there. So mm. you're talking about finding this, uh, like a sweet spot about the meaningful money making tasks that you should have, mm -hmm. but you're saying it's going to be trial and error to begin with. So you're going to, it is. so you, yeah, you need to stick with it, trial and error, but you'll find that thing, which might be 15, 20, 35, three, whatever. Mm -hmm. And you're going to start putting that in a sort of a, a weekly planning session. Is that right? Yeah, I call it the weekly planning session. It's just 30 minutes on a Saturday morning. And I and a reason there is a reason why Saturday morning. Hmm. It might be different for some of the listeners, but for me, I have I never schedule anything Saturday morning. I call it my business development time. Because in the the rush of the world around me, which like most people, it it never ends. I need about three, four hours a week where I can just step back and think, hey, what's going on in the business? Because one thing's guaranteed, if you don't give yourself that time, you are, your business is going to come up against a huge problem that's going to take you down. Uh, and every successful business person I've come across has at least a couple of hours a week where they step back and they just look at the, the horizon, if you like. They're looking ahead. They're thinking, right, what's coming up? What do I need to be aware of? Like there are things that we weren't aware of, like the pandemic. I mean, nobody could, you know, we couldn't guess that. But actually, I remember I flew over to my parents live in Ireland now. So I flew over to Ireland in March last year. And when I flew, I knew I thought, yeah, we're not going to be flying soon. 
You, you could just sense it. So that's when I first had the idea of shutting down my English business, which I'd wanted to do for a long time. So I thought, whoa, if we can't, if I can't meet up with these students, I've now got a perfect excuse for saying, okay, you know, I'm going to have to close this business down. Mm. And it was, you know, but I'd already had that idea on the plane because, you know, it's a 10 hour flight. So what else am I going to do? So I was just thinking of the business. I was thinking, right, now I can really develop my productivity business. And so this was before, I think, China had gone into lockdown fairly early, but most of the other countries around the world, you know, lockdown, I mean, it's, no, 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 we're a free, peace-loving country. We're a democracy. We don't lock people down, but they did in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I just sensed that something was going to stop us. You could just sense it. And uh, it, it obviously it did happen. I think it started happening in around about April. So, but it was, I just got a feeling that we're going to go into lockdown. Now, I never, ever felt it was going to last as long as it did. I mm. thought we might get three or four months. Um, like if you're in Australia, <laughs> you know, almost 18 months, so they've been locked down. But, but, you know, that's if you don't have time to think about those things, about how you can get your business ready for those kind of situations. And the pandemic is classic example of the unknown coming up. But we always get a bit of a warning. Mm. And we did with the pandemic. Mm, mm. But <clears throat> you had the space to think about things and look at your business from a different perspective. And I think what you're saying there is whether it was a 10 hour plane ride or a Saturday morning, we need to, I think what, you, what I'm taking away from that is consciously creating space to think, right? Mm. Yeah. And, and you advocate I mean, Saturday, Saturday morning or Sunday afternoon or Sunday evening. Just, just if you're a business owner, you have to do it. Mm. You need that time to think because you're going to miss something big eventually. Mm. And you can see, you could see it with Kodak. If you read the case studies of what happened to Kodak, you know, the, the, the executives in Kodak were, were not looking ahead. Hmm. This is the reason, it's the same with Nokia, actually. Nokia was the same. I mean, Nokia is doing something different now. The company still exists. It's doing very well. But in their Nokia mobile phone business, I mean, I remember before I came to Korea in 2000, everyone had a Nokia phone. Hmm. I mean, there was Ericsson and there was Siemens, but it was mainly Nokia. You wouldn't believe that within 10 years they'd be gone. Mm. but they were and you know exactly you if you look at the case studies the executives were not looking ahead they mm. were looking backwards mm. and mm. you know you are you need you need as, as a small business owner particularly you you've got to carve that time out and for me it's saturday morning and i love that time as well because i won't make any appointments i don't even look that's the one morning that i won't check my email at all i don't even open it up until i've done that business development time and all i'm doing is just going through my notes app and looking at my ideas and also looking at some of my competitors to see what they're doing mm-hmm. let me ask you a couple of questions then around um because <laughs> i'm just thinking about the people who are listening to this are going to be freaking out at some stuff so let's start with email let's go on to that for a second so mm-hmm. for people who live in the inbox and i i'm gonna hold my hand up like an aa meeting <laughs> and say my name is haroon and i'm an email addict okay mm-hmm. uh, for people who are anxious and live in the uh, inbox because they fear they're going to miss something or they're fearful of uh, a, a particular client that they have or whatever 
how would you, what tips could you give them to help them come out of the email inbox and get to check in it once or twice a day? I'm, I'm giving away my email secrets here. Okay. So um, when I say that I have a communication hour between five and six, it doesn't mean that I'm not looking at my email. So I am very aware of what's coming in all day. I mean, I get the little notifications on my computer. It tells me if something's coming in. Right. So I know what's come in, but my little secret recipe is a simple inbox, uh, a simple folder called action this day. Now I, I stole action this day from Winston Churchill. By the way, he was an email genius, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but now the, the story of action this day is really simple story. When he was prime minister in the war, he had this big red stamp made. We had action this day on it. And any document that came in that needed action, he'd stamp it in big red letters, action this day. And I just love that phrase because it's got everything you need in there. The emotion, action this day, it's got to happen. So as I, when I see these emails come into my inbox, I'm just looking at it and I'm just going through some simple questions, which is, what is it? Do I have to do anything? So I would say 70% of my email gets archived. Um, probably about 30% I have to do something with. Mm. Now, more often than not, that's a reply. But I've learned and I've forced myself to believe this and, and it is absolutely true. Nobody uses email for matters that are really urgent. So there's always a clue. If somebody's sending you an email and it's got urgent in the, in the subject line, you know that's a lie. <laughs> you can, in fact, actually, those ones just make me laugh because I realize that, you know, well, I'm not going to be replying to that in any form of urgency. But what I do is I put it into action this day. Now, hopefully, most people are using Apple Mail or Outlook mm. because in, that, in those applications, you can reverse the order. So the oldest email will always be at the top and the newest one is at the bottom. You don't do that with your inbox. You do this with the action this day folder. There isn't, unfortunately, a way of doing that in Gmail, I'm afraid. Um, you just have to start at the bottom and work your way up. But if you're using Outlook, you can reverse the order. So whatever happens, every time you go into that folder, you've already made the decision it's actionable. So you've got to do it. And if you look, start at the top, it's always the oldest. Therefore, it's always the most urgent. Now, I, I actually have a rule that I'm, I give myself, which is anything in that inbox must be replied to within 48 hours. Mm. Now, I, I, I'm usually 12 hours, but um, I get a lot of email these days and sometimes I get behind. So I've extended it to 48, um, but I, I've, I don't remember any time missing that deadline. And the beauty of that is when you reply every email within 48 hours, you get people, thank you for your quick reply. And I'm thinking, but it was 40 hours. That's not fast. <laughs> so I'm thinking people are must be really bad with email. Yeah. If they're thanking me for a quick reply, if I'm replying, you know, within 48 hours. So, mm. but that way I don't miss anything because anything in my inbox, simple two questions, what is it? What do I have to do? If I don't have to do anything and I want to keep it, I archive it. Um, I'll delete it if it's a newsletter that I'm not, you know, doesn't have anything interesting. So are you, uh, so you, you're conscious of things as they come in. Are you like checking email, um, I don't know, a few times a day um, and just kind of move them into the action this day folder? Or? Yeah. So, so you're yeah. not living in it. You, How often do you check your inbox well, then? So, okay, let's say taking a Monday morning, I need 90 minutes to write a blog post. I don't look at email while I'm writing. 
but I finished that blog post. I'll check it then. And then I'll start writing the podcast script, which is a bit longer. It's about two hours. So again, two hours, I'm not checking anything. And then after I finish it, it's just a break. And I just go in and clear it out. I'm not replying to anything. I'm just archiving action this day, deleting. That's it. The three choices really that I have. And then when you get to your communication hour, which was, I think you said about five o'clock, five till six. It's about five o'clock, yeah. Then you'll go through that folder and just start, start the working through. And right. work my way down. Yeah. Really, really interesting. What and by the what, way, I do this with newsletters as well because um I don't know if you you've come across James Clear's um yeah. Atomic Habits. Brilliant, brilliant. Love book. it. Love it. But he does a weekly newsletter which comes out to tomorrow, uh Thursdays. And when it comes in, I don't usually have time to read it. And so I just throw it into action this day. If you go back to my two questions, what is it? What do I have to do? Well, I have to read it. I want to read it. Well, I haven't got time now. Action this day. Mm. So it comes up and I can read it. And then if I get others new, because I've got a few clients who they subscribe to industry newsletters. And these can cause a lot of problems because what I find is people will create a folder called to read and they never go in it. <laughs> and then it's like three, 400 things to read. And I will have to ask them at some point and say, when are you going to read those? Mm. Uh, maybe sometime I said well how long do you think it will take you to read 400 emails um, you know and eventually we usually get to the point saying okay I'm going to have a cutoff point a three month cutoff point so mm. anything older than three months just gets deleted mm. Mm. what would you say to people who are anxious though still and say, okay, I understand that I can go and check it periodically and move things into an action folder of some sort, but I still feel anxious. What would you say to those people? Well, actually what you'll find is that anxiousness will start to disappear if you practice this. Because mm. I was too, when I first doing this, I'm thinking, I really should be replying to that. I, I really should be. But but I said, no, I'm going to wait until six o'clock, five o'clock. The beauty of this is, as I say, you start getting people coming back and say, thank you for your quick reply. You know, it's not fast. But the problem you'll have is if you're replying immediately, now you've got a big problem because you're setting an expectation. So that customer or that client is going to expect you to reply within 30 minutes every time. And there's going to be one or two days where you're in a client meeting or you're, you're away on vacation holiday and you can't reply. And now they're upset. Hmm. But if you set yourself a standard that you reply to all your email at the end of the day, uh, messages are, can be a bit different because, I mean, my wife messages me. I mean, I'm not going to leave that till five o'clock because I'll be in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so, but again, I don't reply to my wife if I'm in the process of doing some work or I'm on a coaching call or I'm recording a podcast. If she messages me now, you know, she has to wait. But mm. I will reply when I finish that period of work. Mm. So I give myself 10, 15 minutes, particularly messages on the phone. It's great because I usually take my dog outside for a walk around the, the park, um, just across the road from us. And uh, while I'm there, he can do his business and I can reply to those messages. So I, I do sometimes do that. But yeah. the non-urgent stuff, yeah, it's going to be left until five, six o'clock because I'm setting an expectation. Hmm that everyone knows that they're going to get a reply within 24, 48 hours. And, you know, once everyone knows that, 
you'll never need, you won't feel that anxiousness. But of course, if you live in your inbox today, then, and you've never tried this, when you first try it, you're going to feel very anxious. Mm. But it doesn't mean you can't look at your email. You can still see what's coming in, but you just got to resist that urge to, I'm going to reply now. No, 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 just slow down, slow down. Um, everybody will appreciate it if you slow down a little bit. Mm. Let's talk about the calendar then. Uh, get gritty about your calendar. What does your calendar look like? Is it paper-based? Are you using uh, Apple Calendar? Uh, how, how do you set that up? Well, my back-end calendar is Google Calendar, but it all comes into the Apple Calendar app on my computer and my phone and iPad. Um, the only reason why I use Google is because uh, their appointment scheduling is a bit easier for everybody. So for Mac users, of course, Apple Calendar is great. But if you're a Windows user, it's not such a good experience. So I prefer, I use Google Calendar that because it's a good experience for everybody. Um, and Google Calendar works with my scheduling service for my coaching clients. They can schedule and it all comes through on my Google Calendar. Um, Zoom works uh, as, a, as an app add-on in my Google Calendar as well. And that comes through into Apple Calendar. So all I have to do is click on the link in the calendar uh, to open up Zoom. So I use Google Calendar as my backend and Apple Calendar is where the shell, if you like, that it comes through on. Interesting. Um, have you ever used a paper-based calendar? Probably, yeah, a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I was just remembering because I've had a, I've been using a Mac for since 1997. Um, and one of my first jobs, I worked in the car industry. I worked for, well, you, you, you probably know JCT 600. I worked for them for yeah, a while. Right, I actually yeah. worked for a company called uh, uh, Carnell uh, mm -hmm. for a very long time. Um, they don't, ex I don't think they exist anymore, but JCT 600 still exists. I know that. And I yeah. used to work for them at the Rawdon uh, dealership. But back in those days, we didn't have computer calendars. So, um, you know, I had this uh, wonderful sales diary. I think it was called the Pendle diary or something. It was like a sales related diary, but I eventually moved on to Franklin Planner. And I loved my Franklin Planner. I used that right up to 2009. And that was my calendar choice right up till 2009. Mm. But I always had my teaching schedule in Apple's calendar. Because I say, mm. I've been using Apple's computer since 1997. I remember when I started teaching, I put all my teaching schedules into that digital calendar. Wow. And I guess it was a gradual stops using the Franklin Planner's calendar at that stage. Wow. How do you, sorry, I'll rephrase this. <clears throat> so if people are struggling with knowing what is my core work and how, and I don't know what's even put in these time blocks in the calendar, how would you help people understand what their core work looks like? Well, the core work is actually a lot easier than people think. Um, there's always a, it, but okay. This, again, we're gonna have to look at the two, the entrepreneur and the, and the executive. If you're a, let's just say you're a sales director, your core work is everything related to in increasing sales. So anything that doesn't increase sales is what Jim Rome would have called minor time. Just don't do minor time, delegate it. Um, major time is when you're selling. If you're a teacher like I was, every time I was teaching somebody, that's my core work. 
every time I was preparing teaching materials, that was my core work. But there's also, as a teacher, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, I, I was doing, which wasn't core work. So I've got to find ways of minimizing that or delegating it or, or something. Now, as an entrepreneur, your business, um, your business area is going to be your core work. So if you're a furniture manufacturer, you make, you know, um, bespoke furniture, then your core work is, first of all, anything related to sales and making that furniture to the best quality that you can. Um, same if you're a tailor and you, you, you know, you make suits, it's, it's, you know, your core work is that process of making the suit and sales, because obviously without sales, you're not making any suits. So the two go together. That's your core work. Now, marketing, of course, I tend to think of as being part of a entrepreneur's core work because, you know, you've got to market your business. If nobody knows who you are, you're not going to have any customers. So it's identifying those things. But admin is the gray area because mm. I've learned as a business owner that what my account says is rather less important than what's in the bank. So if I make, uh, let's say I, I, cause I remember, I don't know if you ever watched it, but, uh, Jeremy Clarkson did, uh, Clarkson's farm, uh, yeah. TV show, which is absolutely brilliant show. One of the last shows he's, uh, his consultant or his accountant came in and said, you made 180 pounds, but this year, <laughs> so but you see, the thing is because I'm a business owner, I'm thinking that's what's on the piece of paper. That's what's on the accounts but how much cash does he have in the bank? That's what really matters hmm. because you could have a 10,000, you know, 10,000 pound profit on your, on your accounts and zero in the bank. You've got a big problem. Hmm. So, you know, there are some things that you want to be looking at business accounts. Okay. Being aware of it is fine, but I don't, I wouldn't say that's the core work. That's accountants who do that. That's their core work. Your core work is to make sure there's enough cash coming into the bank account because that's where it really matters. And um, so as a business owner, you've really got to kind of look at what's my, what's my company's core work? What, where does the revenue come from? Because when I'm working on that, that's my core work. <laughs>